All right, welcome to An Inquiry into Freedom with your hosts, Ron and Alan. I'm Alan, so that guy over there is Ron. And we're going to talk about the militia, the well-formed militia um, in the Constitution. And surprisingly to me, this is very brief, uh, but it's very direct. Amendment 2. A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. What more needs to be said? You can't, well. you can't interpret that. You can't... Uh, use um, precedent to manipulate the paragraph and you can't use opinion. I mean, you can. You have the right to an opinion and free speech and all, right? Yeah, yeah. But, exactly. But, it's pretty direct. And it's it well, is language. And it's it's more direct to the framers than it is to us because they of course know what they meant when they wrote it, and we don't necessarily know what they meant when they wrote it. How how could you, as a president, which I'm sure Joe Biden has read at least, attempted to read or maybe skim through it, but, but read the Second Amendment, as I just did, and say it's not absolute. What, what, in, what in that small paragraph would make anyone jump to the conclusion that the Second Amendment is not absolute, or that it, any amendment, for that matter? Well, I'm pretty sure that it's written in the Constitution that everything is just a guideline. <laughs> I don't see. I've never seen that. I, I well, I haven't either. But then, I know uh, you're being sarcastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you would think that, that's a good point, though, Ron, because you would think, based on the left's interpretation or the left's opinion, the leftist uh, twisting of the language, that they would think, without saying it out loud that this is a more of a guideline because well yeah that, saying it's not absolute is a is another way of saying oh it's just it's more or less a guideline yeah well that's precisely what it is yeah it, uh, yeah it's just interesting that they uh, their interpretation of the constitution in many ways is like um, Thomas Jefferson's interpretation of the Bible. I mean, have you seen or heard about Jefferson's Bible? No. He basically, um, <laughs> he would scratch out sentences and words that he didn't like. <laughs> he, he, he just basically, you know, kind of. Is this, created, Will, is this but, William Jefferson? 
Clinton? No. Because <laughs> that sounds like something he would do. No, this is Thomas Jefferson. I mean, he would. But the the thing is, is that he studied it so closely that he was he would kind of rewrite words and phrases and things and cut some things out and. <laughs> You know, it's just kind of humorous that he was that fastidious about language. But at any rate, um, that kind of implies that the Bible is also a set of guidelines, too. Um, and actually, I think if we pay attention to what Jesus was trying, the point Jesus was getting across was all of these Ten Commandments and everything here in this Old Testament here, it boils down to two things, right? You love God, et cetera, et cetera, and you love your neighbor, et cetera, et cetera, right? It all boils down to those two rules. And that's basically what the point of the New Testament is. So, I guess you could say that in a lot of ways that the that those are guidelines. I don't know that I would agree with that, but I think that if you stick to those two points that Jesus is making, that you're sticking to what the heart of God and the heart of Jesus was all about. So it's just that that's not where the left is coming from when it, when they say something is a guideline. Um, because you don't get to pick and choose what is a guideline. I mean, if something is meant to be openly, uh, in other words, it doesn't mean what it says, then it would say that. This is just a guideline here, you know, um, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't, Second Amendment doesn't say. Now, our recommendation is that a militia is blah, blah, blah. But the leftists do that, and yet they don't do that with respect to other amendments, or even, let's say, the First Amendment that came right before it. Of course, they forget about the petition to the uh, redress of grievances, but uh, everything else in that First Amendment, they're pretty much, uh, oh, no, this is absolute. There's no interpretation of that. Then why is the second one up there? You know? It either means what it says or it doesn't. So, um, like in this uh, pardon request that I've uh, put together, it's in front of the governor. Is, uh, in all my years of real estate and practicing, uh, you know, dealing with enforcing contracts, I never once saw a clause in one single contract that I had the right to change the meaning of a word or a phrase of the contract. That I had to treat everything as though everyone agreed to this being the way it is. And the rule of contracts law is that um, vagaries of a contract are uh, uh, interpreted against the maker. In other words, if I make a contract with you and I make the contract up, then if there's something vague in that contract, then it's to be interpreted against me. Because presumably I knew what I was doing and I was in charge of making it sound better or work better, right? Mm. But there's nothing in here that says any of that. 
Um, so basically, we've got the Marxists. They're they're just they're playing their language game. And what what they hold to be uh, holy is holy to them, and what they disagree with, oh well, um, that's that's a, just a guideline, you know. But they can't they can't they won't tolerate it being flip flopped on them. As no, the, the, the frustrating part about that though is that they're very successful at uh, doing these types of things. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned uh, when we had discussed uh, a couple episodes ago that we were going to get into this <clears throat> idea of a, a well-regulated militia, that the word militia is taken in a negative context based on the manipulation of the left uh, with the use of that term. I mean, yeah. if, if you if you walked up to someone and said, tomorrow, just some random stranger, and said, uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of a well-regulated militia, what do you think their reaction would be? Now, if they're a, someone who understands the Constitution and what that means... They'd probably give you a high five. But if they were a, a, a leftist, uh, they'd probably look at you and say, I'm calling the FBI. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're, you're, well, you're a danger to society because, uh, gee, a rel- well-regulated militia, that's, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty treasonous. And are, are you an insurrectionist? Well, yeah, you're right. They've been they've been successful in branding things the way they do because they use language as a uh, tool. Yeah, they're very good at. Um, well, of course they are. Yeah, um, and the their opposite or the anti-Marxists uh, are they're no good at that game. They get to bu- they get too busy parsing things and they'd never fight the battle um so therefore they've lost the war um you know it would basically be let's say um we wanted to do the same thing to the first amendment and say the meaning of the press is uh disgusting you know that's just uh a bad thing. It's it's like equally bad as the militia. Mm-hmm. So that you are a member of the press. Oh, that's disgusting. I'm calling the DOJ. Yeah, yeah. you're you're a bad, evil, wrong person. If the if the right had done that like the left has, what would the country look like? And well, <laughs> that's a good point because uh, I saw a, a brief interview with a a congressman today, there's been county district attorneys that are um, questioning Congress or, or local, you know, DAs, other DAs, state district attorneys, uh, 
attorney generals and all all, all these uh, law enforcement officials as to why aren't the Republicans doing the same thing to the Democrats? In other words, why why isn't there a a, a DA somewhere or there an is. attorney general somewhere that's that's prosecuting Joe Biden? And the congressman said, well, that's why we have committees, because we're going to look into all this stuff, and then we're going to lay out all the evidence. Dipshit. We've heard this same yeah. song and dance from you people for, I don't know, for, for, forever. And it doesn't answer the question either. And he didn't answer it. He's like, well, Jim Jordan's working on that. Comer's working on that. We're, you know, we're putting things together and and we'll 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 go where the facts lead us. And if and if the you know the evidence warrants charges to be brought up, then we'll do that. Well, you're you're doing the exact opposite of what the question was. Yeah. And what the Democrats are doing, they bring they bring an indictment against a former president that even the the Democrats are saying, "What were we waiting so long for? Was this is it?" Yeah, the, because they were disappointed, right? They were ready to spike the football, and you know Tom Brady came around and and let all the air out, and they didn't get a chance to spike it. So yeah. So well, I I gotta say this because I did finally get to get caught up after we talked, but I I got I have to say that I must admit that I was relieved that there's no there there, you know, because you and I both said, hey, if he's and this had more to do with the um, classified document. Uh, stuff that obviously there's nothing to where it would be going forward because it's that's a serious thing but um we both said that you know if he broke the law or you know if he did something serious then he ought to be prosecuted because right. not. so it was a relief to me to see that there's nothing there but on the other hand it's also very angry to me that there's nothing there because that means all of this crap that's been going on is over nothing, but some clown, some fat clown in New York. Who's racist, who, by that, the way, a, a fat racist clown yeah, in New York who is just an absolute um, embarrassment to the entire legal field not just his office and not just to the state or city. It's that who on earth could have ever, I mean, lawyers are skating on thin ice as it is. I mean, they're, they're basically, they have a worse reputation than the oldest profession. And I actually <laughs> have to think they are the oldest profession. So they're, they're one know, in the same though, aren't they? Well, they're, they're I hookers so. for hire. They are, yeah. They're yeah. just they're, they're just, higher paid hookers. Yeah, they're so. just they're just uh, a prostitute with a law degree. Well, they, yeah, they do anything for money. Mm -hmm. It's just that they specialize in the legal field, right? Of screwing you in the legal field. So, 
um, they're not that different than Stormy Daniels, actually, except she's actually attractive. So um, that guy, I mean, I don't know. I better not even get into that subject, but <laughs> but it really makes me angry that 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 sort of situation is going on over nothing. It's a relief that it's nothing, but it's also very angry that it's nothing. So that was how I came back, uh, came at it after I had a chance to look into it more. But with respect to this. Um, uh, the militia stuff, you know, I think that you either have to look through the lens of everything in the Constitution as a guideline or that that it means what it, it says what it means and it means what it says. Because these people were serious. And if you look at other countries around the world with constitutions, I mean, the like the Iraqi Constitution, actually, they have a constitution similar to ours but it doesn't work the same way because their culture does things differently yeah they, you know they run their country completely different than we do except we're evolving to be like them now because of the tribalism that obama really planted here while he was president um but uh they've they're actually just in the business of undermining the constitution that's just how marxism works is to undermine whatever is in place and make it so that it doesn't mean anything anymore and then you create something else and then you start tearing it down it's just that's how marxism is so the the first fundamental piece of it is that you have to deny truth whatever truth it is that you're after whether it's the bible or the constitution or if men can have babies or anything else yeah you have to undermine so uh, as soon as you can undermine what everyone thinks is true then you can assault you can assault anything then so, well what i'm looking at here when i read this and what's going through my mind is what I asked previously when we discussed getting into this topic, which is why are states having to pass laws that deem themselves as constitutional carry states? Um, they passed a law locally where we are in a... Um, sanctuary county so there is no like there's they, they've deemed it that the federal government can't regulate me owning an ar-15 that if they did they would not recognize the law there are many sheriffs across the country including in blue states where they have passed gun control laws and and banned certain things and the sheriff said we're not going to enforce that i would assume that the reason that they make that statement is because they have read the constitution and they understand the second amendment but i find it disturbing or bizarre 
that it's necessary for states to pass a constitutional carry law. The Constitution is the law of the land. I don't care who, what color your state is. I don't care who the governor is, whether he's a Democrat or a Republican. That person does not uh, supersede this document. And like you said many times, if you want to change it, then you know, tear it apart, start over. First, present us with something different. But you can't just pick and choose and decide, well, you know, um, Washington, D.C. will be a gun-free zone and Alexandria, Virginia, which is literally Washington, D.C., <laughs> right next door, um, yeah. you, you can carry. So th that's, my, that's my question. That, again, what, what, why are we having to pass these laws? It's written in the Constitution, and it is absolute, regardless of what the leftists want to claim. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we are going to be a constitutional republic, then this document... And, and the Second Amendment, along with all the others, we were just so happened to be discussing the Second Amendment, is the law of the land. Now, I, I have a concealed carry permit. Um, just recently renewed it. I have been asked many times, why do you have a concealed carry permit? Why did you renew it? It's a constitutional carry state. Well, I did that for reciprocity reasons. Uh, because not all 50 states are constitution, constitutional carry. And I have to, you know, make sure... I also, have to, uh, I also have to know who recognizes Tennessee, um, who recognizes our concealed carry uh, permit. Because I can get in trouble. But why... Yeah. why, why why would I get in trouble? Explain to me, someone, you, I don't care if somebody, explain to me why, if I travel to New York or California or some other leftist state that has extreme gun laws and I legally possess a concealed carry permit and I come from a constitutional carry state, but beyond that, it states in the Constitution itself, the law of the land, that I have the right to keep and bear arms and it shall not be infringed. That, it, that, that I can get in trouble for carrying a weapon across uh, into another state. D does the state's Constitution or their laws Trump, the, the U.S. Constitution? No, it's, it's, the, it's the whole language battle. But I if mean, I, that's but, what the Second Amendment is. is but if I do that, I face battle. jail time. How is, that not, well, how is that not a violation of my rights? 
the thing is, is that you're equating yourself with a member of the militia. All right. Well, why wouldn't I? Well, the argument becomes, well, what is a militia? I mean, if you're trying to, let's say I, I use the example of, of having to adhere to contract law. But it's hard to ask that question because of the negative connotation that, that, that has been spun around that word. Well, of course, it's all part of it's all part of arguing about deconstructing a sentence. And that's what it is. They've they've successfully deconstructed the language of the Second Amendment. That's my point. And it starts with if I were a, if I were trying to understand a contract so that I would figure out how I'm, what I'm supposed to do or what someone else is supposed to do, then I would look at a well-regulated militia. Okay, uh, what's that mean? What's a well-regulated militia? That's, that's the first question I would have in deconstructing that sentence. Yeah, no, I, I thought that same thing myself. Well, yeah. So if you, I mean, I think you're proper in saying, why wouldn't I? Because I am a part of the militia. Because you're looking at how you understand what the word militia means. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the founders did not feel it necessary to define what a militia was. In those days, and for a couple of hundred years beforehand, there were traditions about what militias were in different states and different colonies. Now, what a militia was in Virginia was slightly different than what a militia was in Massachusetts. They weren't all exactly the same, but the general meaning of what the militia was, was essentially anyone who could, uh, was capable of bearing arms you know if you were 16 and you're a good shot then you were if you were 19 and you couldn't then you know (laughs) so it's basically though like in virginia they they considered absolutely every person who could fire a gun was a member of the militia as it should be everyone and at that time virginia was the largest in fact Augusta County, Virginia, went all the way to the Mississippi River at one time. Um, the thing is that some of the other states did not look at it quite that way. They would look like it was a, like it was a male-dominated society, and so it was only males over 18 were members of the militia, or you were expected to be a member of the militia if you were 18. You had, uh, it was like compulsory service. Like now, you know, you you sign up voluntarily to be National Guard members or what have you, but uh, we have that option. But in those days, they didn't have many options because there wasn't much of a population. You know, if you lived in Augusta County, Virginia in those days, that was at the edge of the frontier. Yeah. You know, there was, I forget how many Indian tribes just to your west. So um, 
we had to look at it uh, differently. Anyone who was capable, male, female, any age, you know, you were a member of the militia. So, and and sometimes even if you couldn't fire a gun, you were still a you're a part of the band, you know, the drummer boy. So. But you have to get into, you have to be able to parse that sentence is what is a well-regulated militia? What is well-regulated? Well, if you ask a, a, someone on the left, that means we take everything uh, from you with the exception of a musket because we're, we're, we're the regulators. Well, yeah, aren't they then using the modern definition of regulated? Well, yeah, that's what, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be the default to most people. That's the problem in, in trying to understand historic documents is if, you know, if I am working on this project as part of my genealogy, and that's how I know some of the stuff about Virginia is I have two branches of my family in Virginia at this time. In fact, um, yeah, several of them yeah, in the Revolutionary that. War. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm in the old courthouse there in Amherst, Virginia, or uh, Lexington, uh, where uh, Rockbridge County is, or in Augusta County, and I'm looking at old land documents from 1790, I've got to understand what that document means. Then, not now. So, uh, like signing marriage bonds was different than, than today. So, you know, we, we've gone full moron in this country. So, I have a suggestion. <laughs> it's sarcasm at its best. How about we just dig up a few of the founding fathers? draw some DNA and clone them and how, just ask them for an explanation to the Second Amendment. Yeah. Well, not a bad idea. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that that would, if it was possible, and I'm not saying we should play God, but I would, I would venture to guess that uh, there would be a lot of left-wingers who would go, oh, we, we, even if we have the capability, we, we don't want to do that. Because they're afraid well, yeah. of the answer they would get. Well, first of all, let's be honest about the first thing that they're actually afraid of, which is the fact that any one of those founders that you chose to dig up is going to be stiffer than Joe Biden can be. Oh yeah, that, I mean, there's there's probably literally there's literally probably an aide in the White House that every 15 minutes walks into the Oval Office and sticks her finger under Joe Biden's nose to make sure he's breathing, you know, because we have to have proof of life. They do that. So so I'm not kidding. I think that they literally let that man walk out into a, a briefing of some sort every two or three days for proof of life, and that's it. And, and literally what they should do is, is they should let him walk out, say, I'm an idiot, and turn around and leave. Yeah. 
He actually got because, lost on his way away from a briefing. I, I, think today. That's, I think really, I mean, if you ever watch the fool, <laughs> I mean, he just sits there and, and like the other day they asked, they, you know, the reporters were bombarding him with questions. Do you think it was right to indict Trump? He's just sitting there with this shit eating grin on his face right. and he's kind yeah. of chuckling and it's like, what's your purpose, dude? Yeah. What is yeah. your purpose? Proof of life is what it is. Because we have to have that with him, right? Well, we do. It's just that I, I have to laugh because I just saw a video this morning of him. He got lost and wandered away from a press event this morning. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Being a fly, it's it's simple. It it, it is hilarious. It's it's so. Yeah, yeah the yeah. stories that are going to come out of the secret service. Oh my gosh! So so could you imagine a, a a meeting between Xi and Putin, and and not that they probably care, but Joe Biden's name comes up. They probably giggle for about a minute and then they move on. But <laughs> I mean, I'll give you a giggle right now if you want on on this whole business about Bud Budweiser. Oh my God! Did you see my post on it? I, I you know what? Literally, I looked. Uh, so I opened my phone today, and I looked at my Facebook um, little icon. Oh, and it says I have fifty four notifications. That's how much I've got on got on Facebook in the last fifty. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I, I literally, Ron. I've, I've just. Okay, then I'll just have to tell you. Yeah, you'll just, just have to tell me. I, I you'll just have to endure. I, what I did was I posted a bottle of Jack Daniels. God. Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. Because it's not Bud, and Bud Light, a six pack of Bud Light next to it. And then I said, so it says the. Looks like the Georgia and Florida lines are regrouping <laughs> for a very extra special special sponsored by Jack Daniels and Bud White. Live from Nashville. They are covering every song from their newest album release. He's having my baby. <laughs> All my exes change to their sexes. <laughs> Prance across Texas. <coughs> Walking the floor over her, him. <laughs> Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> um, he stopped loving they, them today. <laughs> Harper Valley's PRT. <laughs> <laughs> I got friends in safe places. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, there's three more. Digging up boners. <laughs> <laughs> you never even called me by my pronouns. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's drag show hour somewhere. 
you know, it's you know, it's really in the spirit of seriousness. That's but, my offer of seriousness. But wait a minute, there's nothing about anything you just said that's not spot on. Well, that's the sad part, is it not? It is the sad part. Yeah. So I mentioned like, this to you before. Speaking of, um, <laughs> on trans people. So there's a bill uh, in Canada that was introduced back in May by, uh, I don't even like the guy's name, Justin, Justin Trudeau. Uh, Inspector Trudeau. It passed in the House of Commons, 248 to 40, and in the Senate, 67 to 11. So it's a, an amendment to the Canadian Human Rights Act and the criminal code. And basically, in a nutshell, what it does is it criminalizes. Um, if, you, if you are in Canada and you don't refer to someone as their preferred pronoun, that you can be charged and if found guilty serve prison time, a $25,000 fine, uh, among some other nonsense. Um, I think that's the, I think Bill C-16 is what it is. I'm not quite sure, but they were talking about it uh, recently. And it's, it's really strange. So they have a little bit different um, lettering. It's not LGBTQ. It's L2 LGBTQI plus. I mean, it's they should add, they should put a A in front of the I. AI, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like there, there's a different letter added every few days. Yeah, I mean they hijack everything. They hijacked, you know, the rainbow. That you know, all all these things. They're hijacking the alphabet. Leave the freaking alphabet alone. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what you call yourself. I mean, I don't refer to myself as B for boy, or M for man. Uh, who who gives a shit? Yeah, I want to play this. This is hilarious. So, you you and I have talked about this guy before. Uh, I like him a lot. Always have, and not specifically because of this, but celebrated my day three sixty five of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever: a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light. <laughs> Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Yeah, Let me uh, yeah. say something to all yeah. you and be as clear <laughs> and concise as possible.
Bush. <laughs> Have a terrific day. <laughs> you know that? You know who that is? That's a yeah. that's a member of the well-regulated militia right there. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. Sir Kid Rock, way to go, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, I I can proudly say that I've never drank Bud Light or Budweiser. But I recently discovered that one of my favorite beers is Landshark. And um, I'm probably not going to buy that anymore. Is that part of it too? Yeah, it's it's bottled by And How's Your Bush um, bottling company. So Well, yeah, all those all those that's the problem with how our country works now is is how much overregulation does is that it just concentrates industries to where there's you know there's no competition. You have three or four oligarchs or monopolies in different industries and that's it. Same with the car industry. So you know, it used to be I don't know how many different liquor companies there were, but it's just easier for the regulators to do, and they they basically encourage that. It's like, why on earth do they get to buy up a third of the market of, you know, alcohol companies? So, just not, it, it's not part of what was intended with the Constitution at all. But, um, yeah, I, back on the militia topic here, because he obviously had a, a a well-performing auto there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know where the man lives, but um, I don't think he's that far from you. Um, probably not. But, um, no, he's got a really cool house. Um, the uh, but back on back onto the language bit is the. That also was part of the understanding of the language in those days. So they don't use a whole lot of words up because they all knew what they meant. But we don't know what they meant because no one seems to care. All they care about is their opinion and then they interpret things to be whatever their opinion is. That's why I wanted to have the conversation about this over and over and over again until it becomes clear that what it is and and that other people ought to be involved other than just us because it's an inquiry into okay folks what is a militia does anyone really know because it, it really is not intended to be anyone walking around doing whatever they darn well please that it was it was intended to be that everyone would be armed all the time. In fact, that was the law in some states. All men over a certain age of 18 uh, in some places had to be armed. Uh, other places, it was not like that. But obviously, things were different. Um, but a militia is not the National Guard. No, and I think your question, uh, sitting here listening to you and, and looking at the Second Amendment, I think the answer to your question is at the end of 
the paragraph. So it starts out with a, a well-regulated militia. Well, what does that mean? Well, it answers itself in, in the paragraph. Necessary, necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So, so the, the well-regulated militia is the people and their right to keep and bear arms. And that the, the people who are the militia, uh, that right shall not be infringed. So if somebody was to argue with me, well, a well-regulated militia means that the government can regulate what you can buy and what you can own and what kind of weapon you can use, my response would be no, because the following statement basically reinforces the initial wording. Well, in several states, you'd be exactly on. In fact, uh, in Virginia, uh, that is basically what it was, was that everyone has the right and the obligation to be armed. So there's a, in fact, I think the, I could be wrong on this, but I think that the Virginia um, Declaration of Rights was done a month before the fourth above, before the uh, Declaration of Independence. And that it had in there what the, uh, what their militia requirement was. Which was see, that's, the, that's interesting information, Ron, because that, that's something that I didn't know. And there's probably, you know, a hundred million people walking around that don't know that. Well, yeah, it's like, and why don't we all know that? Because people who teach don't, don't want us to know. Mm-hmm. School board, you know, teachers unions don't want us to know because they're part of the group of doesn't want people to have weapons. They want to scare people into not having, oh, those are scary. They can go off and, you know, you can, they can be sitting in the room and, and go off and shoot someone. So guns are scary things that we shouldn't have. You know, that's how they think. But you would think, common sense would would tell me, if I was a teacher and I I feared every day that some random mentally ill person could walk into the school at any moment and start shooting and killing people, that that I would want... Oh some armed people to prevent that from happening. I mean, you don't, you know, the old, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight thing. Um, if, you, if you have criminals and, and we know that most of the time, as you had mentioned before, that these, are, these acts are carried out by mentally ill people mm-hmm. that I, 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 would, I would find solace in there's, there's armed veterans or policemen or 
you know, some sort of guards, security, posted around the school that, sorry to say, is not traumatizing, that are going to save my ass. And, and all the students that are sitting in my classroom had I decided to be a teacher. I wouldn't be against that. I would be all for it. Because, you know, this, this argument that the left tries to bring up is that if we get rid of all guns, we'll stop all gun violence. You can get rid of all the guns you want to, but you cannot get rid of the criminal. Yeah, that's conflating gun with violence. Exactly. And vi violence happens whether there's a gun or not. Well, that's, like, that's the, the real point, problem right? is human behavior. The real problem is violence. Ask, ask some citizens in the UK how that turned out for them. Well, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's, there, there's video of guys walking down the street chopping someone's head off with a freaking machete. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're a sick individual... Uh, and you want to inflict harm on someone or even death, you don't need a gun. John Wick killed four guys in a bar with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, literally, I could reach into my wallet and pull out a credit card and slash your throat. Yeah, if, you know, if you're trained in using various objects as weapons mm -hmm. then yeah i would always prefer to have a gun over anything but there's like you're saying there's other things that you can use it's it's all in the your ability to improvise and knowing how to use something so um i found what i was talking about on the in the virginia um it's section 13 of the Declaration of Rights in Virginia. Um, and it was written by George Mason on June 12th, 1776. So I was right. Um, what do you know? That's my one thing I remember today that was right. So, but at any rate, it's section 13 of the Virginia Declaration of Rights. And this is what was used as a model for the uh, U.S. Constitution. Am I going to have to start texting you like every 15 minutes for proof of life? <laughs> Probably so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, that a well-regulated militia composed of the body of the people, train that means everyone, mm -hmm. everyone, mm -hmm. composed of the body of the people, trained to arms, is the proper, natural, and safe defense of a free state, that standing armies in time of peace should be avoided as dangerous to liberty, and that in all cases the military should be under strict subordination to and governed by the civil power. So that's, that's Virginia's view on militia it's the body of the people it's everyone doesn't mean every state was but every state that was part of you know all 13 of them at the time this uh, constitution was put together they all had their own view of what a militia was their own definition in each state mm -hmm. 
but it was all regardless of a little here a little different here a little different there it was all of those differences were up to each of the states okay the the general understanding of what a militia was was the people who live in the state and that they're they're trained to use arms and in virginia it was everybody in some states it was only males over 18 but that doesn't change the militia. It, it just is saying that in, in Massachusetts, the militia is made up of this group of people. In Virginia, it is everybody. In North Carolina, it is something else. But the states were able to define what their militia was, but they could not take away the right of the people to make up the militia. To do that, you would have to repeal the Second Amendment. That's where we get into this language of the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So you cannot have a state say that our state is going to do away with our militia of the people and, and use the National Guard system instead, which all of them tried to do. I mean, that was part of the progressive movement was going to a National Guard. And I'm not saying that going to a National Guard was not a good idea, because it, it actually was a good idea. But you can't use that as a way to say, because we switched to a National Guard system, the people no longer have a right to form a militia. But there's all this implication that, that, they, that we do not have the right to have militias made up of the people. In fact, I think it's a big mistake that, that the states are not more involved in having uh, militias, and I think some states do. But uh, this whole bit about making militia a bad thing is all about controlling the language and saying, well, regulated. Well, that means the state legislature or a bureaucracy can run the militia. No, it doesn't mean that. Well regulated, and I think we've talked about this before, it was well, well regulated a couple of hundred years or so ago meant that something was in good working order. That's generally what well-regulated meant. Mm -hmm. Not that it was regulated to where it couldn't move. It was, it works okay. So w would you say Joe Biden is well-regulated now? Uh, no, I'd say the fact he has to wear depends tells us he's probably not. <laughs> You know, he, he's not very, he's not working very well. Yeah, he missed a few. Because uh, he keeps filling his pants. Yeah, he missed so, a few doses of well, Metamucil. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, so. To keep him regular. But I, I know that's a little bit. Uh, oh, you said regulated. Not regulated. Yeah. The point is, he's not regulated. He's not well regulated. He's not functioning well. Yeah. So um, it, it has nothing to do with. That the, that the militia has lots of rules and regulations. That has, that's, that's a foreign concept. That's not what it would have meant. It meant that the militia functions well. 
and militias did function well a long time ago until actually the 1750s. Um, in fact, George Washington even struggled with the fact that militias were structured the way they were because the, they, they meant well, but it was very difficult to call in a militia or call up a militia and go handle an issue as well as handle um, discipline in the ranks because everyone's doing their own thing. So the concept of a militia is great if you've got a wolf on the loose in the population or someone's robbed a bank or what have you. But as far as fighting big wars, the only thing they're good at is if you're fighting, if you want to become an insurgent population, then it, having militias serve as an insurgent military force is a great idea. Mm -hmm. Because that's actually the lesson that all of our military and all of our politicians should have learned if we had honest information and exchanges about the Constitution and the Declaration, we would not have fought in Iraq because they use an insurgency. They, they prove how difficult it is to fight a bunch of insurgents because they don't have to win every battle. They just have to run you out of uh, money or out of arms or out of energy. You know, that's yeah. why we didn't win there. That's why we didn't win in Afghanistan. That's why we don't win anywhere else is because we're fighting an armament battle and these places that we go to and we shouldn't be in in the first place, even Vietnam, we're fighting insurgent uh, military people. So they, they shoot off a few rounds and kill a few people and then, they're, then they disappear. You know, that's that's exactly how Washington was able to win the Revolutionary War. He hardly won any battles, but he just kept going and he he wore the British out. Right. You know, and that's basically how Robert E. Lee was fighting the Civil War. He wasn't out there. He, he didn't have what it took to win every battle. He was just there to wear out the North. So. That's the whole point is that a, a militia makes sense to a certain degree, but it also makes sense to have a national guard. And contrary to their view, it made sense. It makes sense to have a national standing army. It doesn't make sense to have what we have now, but it does make sense to have the bones of a national standing army all the time. So that's just my personal opinion, but. But that's what well-regulated and militia are, that very first, within the first comma, well-regulated militia. So that means that the body of the people in the state or the body of the people in the country, so that it functions well together, is necessary to uh, secure a free state. It's all that is. That's, yeah, and the and the, and the using their language, right? And the free state would mean, and the well-regulated militia, and the right to keep and bear arms, 
all mean that if our government ever gets out of control, like they are now, uh, that the people are to rise up and, and do what they need to do. Well, I don't know that the that that was universally the. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, no. But but that was the view of uh, of most of them, (laughs) of the of the uh, founders. That's why they would they might not be very pleased with what they saw if they were around these days, but they would also be shocked that. But but you have to understand that when they wrote this document. The power that they had, they understood how that could be used in in a completely uh, wrong way. Well, that's how smart they were. They were like, you know, look at all the power that we have. Look at what you see. What you're saying there actually ties to the the British militia the rules of the british militia that's how long this thing goes back right okay this is the militia is not something that got invented by the proud boys <laughs> yeah or the prancing pony boys of the, the biden people but you know the that goes clear back into the middle ages of england because there are basically three legs to the stool of the British militia, but without getting any more into the weeds than we are on our first run through on this subject, it was basically a expectation and an obligation of the British militia to revolt at a time like this because they're representing the people and, and the, you know, they have a different system because they have a monarchy, mm-hmm. but the people had a right and an expectation to revolt if the king got out of hand. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying there has a greater degree of uh, accuracy to it than you might have even thought is all I'm saying. Because it really is a tradition that that goes back to our unique heritage of with England. So yeah, we actually have an obligation uh, under the views of most of the uh, framers that we have an obligation to revolt in the kind of situation that we're in right now. All that stuff with the masks and all that crap. Yeah, we had we had an obligation to revolt. Yeah, I think we have, as as citizens of this country, uh, as bad as it may be, every American has a duty to to honor what the founding fathers put together because. No matter how you you may look at 
if you're a socialist or or whatever and and these young people who are advocating for socialism and think that it's you know this this great utopia um, you have a duty to read this document pay attention to what they're saying and understand that they've foreseen all, all of the problems that we're currently going through and knew that the only uh, remedy or the only solution to overreach was a well-regulated militia. But that word is, is it's almost like it's almost like using the word cult to the left. Like if you want if you want to keep and bear arms, you're a member of the cult. You know, you're not you're not a member of a militia. You're you're more or less a cult member. So I mean, that's they, what they Yeah, I get what you're saying that that's what they try to do. I just I don't ever let their language define me. You know, I usually will just ignore what they're having to say because they're really just spouting nonsense. If you want to compare me with a cult member, then I I really don't give a crap what Well, you they uh, and that's that's where we all need to be. We all need to be at that point with with the late night shows of I don't give a fuck what you think. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, when we all start saying that, then a lot of that stuff goes away. But if you're a if you're a conservative and you hear a congressman basically dance around a question and and say what you you have heard for years and years and years the frustration is just overwhelming it's like j just come out and say i have no guts there's there's going to be um no investigate we'll do investigations but that's as far as it's going to go you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna indict anybody. We're not gonna bring charges against anybody. We're not gonna refer charges to the DOJ. We're not gonna do any of that stuff. We're just going to um, kind of give you a little bone here and there, and and we'll bring somebody in front of a committee and we'll question them, and that'll be the end. You know, I I heard the uh, the commentator press the the guy. And say, you know, you're, you're not giving us... Why, why aren't you doing this? Why is, it, why is it that the left is the only side that, that finds these individuals that, that will bring charges against a former president and... and why is it that those states have these type of individuals that'll go way above and beyond the law? But you guys don't do anything. 
No, that's right. No, I, 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 I'm I not to a... say something on that because you may not know it, but there are um, there are a number of DAs around the country, meaning county DAs, that are doing that now. This was their, they've been sitting on it waiting to see what happens, but um, there are a number of them that are ready to start um, coordinating their efforts on prosecuting things like the Hunter Biden stuff. Yeah, and no, and, I, and I've mentioned on, on the show that I'm not a, a, a big proponent of revenge politics. Yeah. And that, you know, it seems anymore when, when, whenever a, a president is elected, the first thing they do is try to erase the legacy of the prior administration. That's not helping. That's not contributing to the greater good. It's not, it's not doing anything to move our country forward. But, but, but this is, this is now the game. And the Republicans refuse to get in the game. They refuse to join the game. Yeah, they won't fight the battle. So, uh, it, isn't it the responsibility and the duty of people like you and I? I think so, yes. And, and is it not stated in the Constitution that, look, if, if the government isn't representing you the way that it's supposed to, the way that it's been outlined, the law of the land, then it's the, the, a well-regulated militia's responsibility to change that. Well, and, you and, know I, what's in the way of that? And this is where the this is where the right has gone along with the left and become actually there the right is actually the whole right left analogy doesn't even work anymore. No. The the and even Marxist and anti-Marxist doesn't work either because we have Marxists in both parties. It's just more, most of them are in the Democrat Party, but you know, I think half the Republican Party probably is at some level also, but um, the the sticky point on all that is, we how did we get from a couple hundred years ago where it was expected that the people would rise up if garbage like this with someone like Bragg was going on, and that you could have a you know, people with pitchforks and brooms and long rifles out in front of your house at night if you were getting out of control, because that's what your militia is going to do to you. How do we go from that expectation of the people to where we are today, where, oh, no, uh, the people don't. No, those are, those are all militia people. Those are, in other words, the population is bad. When you say that militias are bad and they're nasty, wrong, you know, evil people, well, you're talking about the people. That's that's the people of the country that you're referring to there, because we're all part of the militia, at least under the old British law. 
common law. So we all have an obligation to stand up for our country. Well, what happened in our country is that, and the progressive era did this to us, was that we had this uh, transition of politicians will take on this role of fighting it out in public and that the people don't have to be doing all of this stuff. Let the experts do this. And the Republicans want to be the experts, but they're fighting the Democrats in their own way. And we don't have to be involved. In fact, we don't have a right to be involved and, and that sort of thing. And that's something that our culture has allowed itself to buy into to the point where we feel guilty about what happened on, I, and I'm not saying I feel guilty about it, but the, the, the whole January, whatever it was, um, January 6th, is that what it was? Yeah. January the day? Okay. So, so we're supposed to feel guilty and, and um, outraged and all of that stuff. And it's like, no, that was no resurrection or insurrection, I mean. There was no insurrection, yeah. at least not a serious one, but the people have a right to do that. It's their country. Those aren't MAGA people. And in fact, a lot of it was organized by our own uh, government agents. But that point aside, the people have a right to do that. They have an expectation to go out and voice their concerns if they're upset. Mm-hmm way more so than all of that BLM, the BLM militia riots, you know, those people were rioting for a, an entire summer and no one said anything about them. They're acting like as, as though they've got a right to go voice their concerns. Well, what's the difference? There is absolutely none. The second, the second, um, insurrection by the left standard happened in nashville at the capitol again oh that's right yeah and uh you know none of those none of those people are are being arrested and and and, and i don't know that they should be um because since we're we're on amendments here and and what you and I have talked about uh, previously is the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievance. Now I'm not saying that the people that that stormed the Capitol in Nashville, because that's what they did. They pushed through state police and and. Uh, you know, bullied their way into the chamber. Um, th they have a grievance. Now, whether you agree with that grievance or not, that's not the point. The point is that they wanted to petition their government. They want some action taken on gun control. 
Well, disagree or not. We, we have talked about how the modern-day Supreme Court has taken away our right to petition the government. And it's no coincidence that, that these are the first two amendments. The right, to, the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievance, followed by the right to keep and bear arms. Because yeah. if the first one doesn't work, then you go to the second. And I'm not saying, I don't want anybody to listen to this and go, oh, he's talking about overthrowing the government. No, I'm not. All I'm saying is that I have a right to keep and bear arms, and the government has no business knowing what arms that I keep and bear. Nor do they have any business trying to take them away from me. But if I want to go to the Capitol, whether it's in Tennessee or the U.S. Capitol, and I want to petition my government, and, and I, I want to present my grievances, and they, they physically throw me out, uh, then, um, man, let me tell you something. I'm a, I'm a member of the militia that is necessary to the security of a free state. And if I yeah. don't have the freedom to go in there and petition my government and express my grievances and for, for freedom of speech and to tell them what it is I'm pissed off about, then that's not the security. Then, then that's not a free state. Yeah, I, I think you're making a really good point. And even though it's for the other, the other side of the political spectrum, you're making a good point, and I don't disagree with you. I, I think what I witnessed there in uh, Nashville, um, I, I think that's worse than what was going on on January the 6th. But also, I, I think if you're going to escalate something beyond submitting a grievance, the 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 actual grievance process has to be in place so that you can do so. And I think that's where most of us feel like we've been shut out, is that the whole individual right to petition for redress of grievance has been taken away. Now it's all groups, and it's like a group of people or a mob Mm -hmm. Like in that case, yeah, they go in there and they insist that they be heard. Well, whether it's one individual or a thousand individuals, all want to talk to their legislature about gun control. Okay, fine. They they have a right to uh, be heard. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. I I disagree with what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, right. But I do, but I do agree with the fact that they have a right to be heard just as much as I do. And they're not being heard, and I'm not being heard. And we all have the right to insist that we are heard. And isn't and, that isn't that where you can find the common ground and say, hey, well, look, you know what? We disagree mm -hmm. on this issue. But, yeah, but, I, but I, I want to petition mm -hmm. the government, and then so do you. So you, you, you don't have any, any um, specific rights or 
your your issue isn't bigger than mine, and you shouldn't be taking taken more seriously than I am. So we both have we both can come to an agreement that okay, you want gun control. I want my Second Amendment. But we both have the right to petition the government. Your issue is no bigger than mine. Yeah, just because you're a group of people doesn't make your issue more important than mine. Yeah, exactly. And so the point that we're making that's relevant to the Constitution here is that we're all being denied the right to petition for redress because we're not being heard. And the professional political class has made it their business to be the only people who are participating. Now, some Congress, uh, congressional people function different from others. In fact, there are very few of them all of them on the conservative end of the spectrum or classical liberal end of the spectrum, like Rand Paul, they, they're the ones who I've heard that use the language of our citizens have a right to come in here and submit whatever their grievance is. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've actually heard some of them uh, say something to the effect of, yeah, I was on the way to a meeting with one of my uh, constituents who um, wanted to redress a grievance with me. And uh, that's when all of this broke out, you know. And I'm kind of, I was like, the only reason that something like that stuck in my rather poor memory anymore is that the language is used in something other people don't say. So uh, that's why it's stuck. Um, but very few of our congressional people look at things like that. Like they're there to serve their constituents, whether they agree with them or not. They're there to listen. And it's like, okay, that's, that, that's I think, the first step. Before you go right to an armed mob is that we all have a right to go and talk with our congressman or woman. Um, maybe there ought to be some opportunities to speak at the, uh, um, legislature or what have you. I mean, I've spoken to the legislature in Colorado, um, and actually introduced legislation there on some things, but I, I was knowledgeable about it. I was asked to speak because I was knowledgeable about it and I was co-author of the bill. But there were also people there who were not involved in it at all that were there to talk about this legislation. And I think the most uninformed person of all was someone, um, I'm not remembering her name right now, but some left winger from, I think it was Westminster, who had no idea what she's talking about um who was against the bill that was going up and i remember her talking and then storming out of the legislature and i was asked by someone um 
what she meant by what she was saying. And I said, I distinctly remember it's probably in the minutes to the legislature still. I just said that I have no idea what she's talking about. And I don't think she does either. <laughs> probably I not. Mean, yeah, this woman was like, I, I have no idea what she's even referring to. She's out of her freaking mind. Well, I'll tell you. But, but she had a right to say it. I mean, she was a part of the legislature, and she had a right to speak. And fine, you know. Yeah. You, you, I say things all the time that I find out later that I was wrong about something or whatever. Fine. But you have a right to say them. But we're being shut out of the process. Yeah, let me let me let me give you a a a personal example of how we're being shut out. And I've been um, outspoken when it comes to Marsha Blackburn and Tim Burchett, both Republicans from Tennessee. I don't remember what the issue was, uh, but I first called Marsha Blackburn's office. And, of course, you know, an assistant answered the phone. And I asked to speak to my representative. And I was treated with such disrespect. I, I, I mean, I was angry. Uh, but it boils down to, and it was both, both of them. Uh, the person that answered the phone for Tim Burchett was a little nicer and a little more cordial. However, I was basically told they don't have time to talk to you and uh, you will not receive a return phone call and you're just going to have to live with it. And I thought, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I, I, want, I, I wanted to ask the person that I was on the phone with, do you, do you know what the First Amendment says in the Constitution? I have a right to petition the government. I have a grievance. Uh, she doesn't have time or he doesn't have time. Let me tell you something. I, I get it. They have a, there's a lot of people in their constituency. They, they are busy. But for them to say to a voter, uh, they don't have time for you and don't expect a return phone call because you're unimportant. Let me tell you something. If I had the resources, um, I would run against either one of those two in a heartbeat. Well, essentially what they do is they inflame people to the point where they either do that or they go vote for the other party or they quit voting at all. And I that's think that's the where the Republicans... Party has done to itself. I yeah. think that's where the Republicans just don't... Even, even after Trump, they do not get the big picture. No, I don't... And again, and again I'm matter. telling you, I'm telling you, I was there. The people mm -hmm. that I spoke to said we're... It, the, January 6th, uh, in my opinion, had gone beyond Trump at that point. He just happened to have a rally that drew the people. But the people that were there were literally said to me, we are tired of the entire government. They shit on us every single day. 
Sure, they were upset over the election. But that wasn't, for, for the vast majority of people that were there, for the right reasons, and, and maybe all of them were there for the right reasons, you can speculate all you want. But the people that I spoke to, hundreds of people, were just fed up with our, our government in totality. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I think that, that the left and, and a lot of people on the right do not understand why so many people are drawn to Donald Trump. And it's because no. he is not a member of that bullshit establishment. Yeah. On you've either hit it side. right on the head. Yeah, you've hit it right on the head, actually. Yeah. And, and people like me, I, I'm sure there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people who have called their representative and gotten the same bullshit that I got. Wait a minute. You're a representative of mine. You work for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the vast majority of the people in our government have forgotten that. And that it is a well-regulated militia's responsibility and duty to remind them. Once again, I'm not advocating for violence. I'm not saying that we, we pick up weapons and we march you know, into the Capitol and, and start shooting up the place. I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm saying that they need to understand that that's a, re- that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that is what a, why, that is what a revolutionary war was started over. Was yeah. that was that those the 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 monarchy was was not listening, and the people got fed up and said, "You know what? You, if you if if you're not going to listen to our grievances, we're going to make you." Well, there's actually <laughs> there's something in my book on this subject, actually, and the uh, and George the Third, shocking, shocking. Um, but you know, George the Third did not have some long-standing. You know, there was that the, the madness of King George is, you know. Um, what a lot of people think of him as and that that the revolutionary war may have uh made him gone crazy or something like that and is actually kind of a bipolar guy and um he did not my point is there he did not have hard feelings toward the united states or george washington and that so much of the Declaration of Independence is directed at the crown or the king, which was the correct way to, to write the document because it was a monarchy, right? Mm-hmm. It, just like it is today. It was a parliamentary monarchy. Not like the old uh, monarchies were of Europe and the way England used to be where it's an absolute monarchy. It was a parliamentary monarchy. The real problem the colonies had with Britain was not with respect to the king, it was with respect to the parliament. 
and the London bankers. That's where they were really having their problems. Their only real gripe with King George was that he had the right to overrule them at times, and he did not. He did not intercede on their behalf, is the language we would use. But they weren't really angry, they weren't honestly angry at George III, and George III was not angry at the colonists, even though he had to agree to wage war on them. But it was Parliament that wanted to wage war. King George did not declare war on the United States or the colonies, as they would call it. He just agreed with the legislature, the parliament, that they, they should wage war. But after the Revolutionary War was over and it had been settled, he actually had some very good things to say about George Washington. His view on things were, well, we went and formed these colonies, and it was only normal that they would, uh, you know, as, as large as that place is, it was only normal that they would eventually get large enough to where they would break away on their own. Just like a number of other colonies did with England. You know, some of them are still tied to England today, but not all of them. I mean, they never intended for Australia to be some long-standing colony. They were trying to empty their prisons and then cut Australia loose, right? Yeah. So, you know, he didn't have uh, ill will toward the U.S. or toward our leaders. So it's just a big misconception. It's not factually true that we had some big disagreement with King George. It's just not, it's not fair to him and it's not fair to history to, to make that piece up. So, you know, it's just that he expected that the people would rise up one day and say, this is our country and we need to separate. It's just, I'm just using a whole lot of other words from a different perspective to say the same thing you just did. Yeah. You know, but it's a different perspective to come up with the same thing that it didn't surprise him at all. His, his people in England have an obligation to rise up if they have to or feel like they have to. And it's his job to listen to them. You know, and it's Parliament's job, and Parliament let him down, and they let the rest of the country down. You know, who knows how much longer we'd have remained a colony if this Parliament wasn't so screwed up. In Which is exactly what's going on today. It is, only it's our Parliament, our legislature yeah. is screwed up. Yeah. So, you know, it's just interesting to recognize your heritage sometimes and realize that wow, there's a lot more behind what this was all about than I realized. You know, that there's all this precedent that was in place, all these things that happened. Um, now I'm understanding this thing in a different way. And that's kind of what I was hoping to get with on the militia to start up that conversation of, you know, you don't hear conversations about militia the way you and I have discussed it the last hour and a half. 
and yet we're right on target with what the militia was intended for, what it was to be about, what was to be expected. Yeah. And I think those conversations are good to, to have and continue to have because clearly even, even people on the right don't even have an understanding of what it really is. They, they just jump right to shall not be infringed. And it's like, well, wait a second. You're considering yourself a member of the militia, are you not? <laughs> right. And you know what? Right? And, and well, we, have we all to, do. Yeah. You know, but let's, let's, let's understand why. And we, and we have to also understand that, that there are people that would consider themselves liberal that are, are uh, legal gun owners. You can't tell me, you cannot tell me or convince me as much as I have come to despise the left. Like, I, I wouldn't... There's no way I would ever... So, most there's, there's more people that leave the Democrat Party and go into the Republican Party than the other way around. I would never switch parties. Um... I could see myself possibly voting for an independent or a libertarian, but I would never vote for a Democrat, not while I was alive anyway. But there are people on the left that are gun owners, and I, I, I'm sure that there are people on the left that own AR-15s um, and, and other weapons that would be considered by the left as assault weapons. And I'm sure that there are those on the left that also believe in the Second Amendment. Albeit maybe very few. Uh, but that would be if you're listening to the mainstream media. This, uh, they've made it seem like this is a right, this is a right issue. That, it, that, that the Constitution only applies to the left if it benefits them everything else is it's well that's a right-wing issue well no it's not it's it's an american issue because whether you're right or left um the 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 words the security of a free state pretty much tells you all you need to know it, it, and, and there are those on the left that think, well, the, the security of a free state is more government control, which means, yeah, we'll give up our weapons. You, well, that's good for you. I mean, I, I, all power to you. But that doesn't mean I have to do the same thing because that's not what the Constitution says and that's not what being free means. And you've said it multiple times on this podcast we're no longer a free country and it's because of those types of attitudes and that lack of knowledge or understanding or to sit and just talk it through to get what this what the second amendment and a well-regulated militia actually means and again uh, uh barring digging up a a few of the founding fathers and cloning them and, and asking them, what did you actually mean? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can argue all you want to about it. 
You can have your own opinion. That's what makes this kind of a free country, in a way. But you can't argue the language. And you shouldn't try to twist it to make your point. I've not said anything other than what it states in the Second Amendment. Now I've given my opinion on it, but it but it's in black and white right here and on, on my screen. Mm-hmm. I'm not manipulated it in any way. Uh, I mean, to me, it it's one paragraph that just gives you this huge picture of what that one paragraph means. And if you can't see that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. I can sit here for another hour and a half with you and we can talk about this for four hours and, and people who, who are just unreasonable, uh, they they would probably say, "Oh, you're just a you're just a right wing zealot and and you're a insurrectionist and yeah know. name name calling yeah they they wouldn't well, want to have a conversation." You see that that is the other the other thing that we've got the issue with here. So you know I think as far as the militia topic goes, that this was a really great first discussion. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I've got to wrap up. Yeah, we're I think that. you do too. But, yeah. but as far as the, you're on the verge of another really good point there, though, which is where we are today and with respect to language. And you're right. There is, there is, a, there is a middle ground or room to talk on some things, like your point with respect to, uh, petitioning for redress. We're not being heard. They're not being heard. Let's make sure maybe we all need to work together on that and demand that there are changes made in how legislators, uh, federal and state, uh, have to listen to the people. You know, that's a that's a great topic for everyone to work on. That's a topic for us to have as a uh, as something that needs to be redressed, right? That's a grievance. And for everyone has that same grievance, almost everyone. Yeah. Um, but there's other things with respect to language, like arguing the the uh, terminology or, or the language of the Second Amendment. Well, yeah, it's easy. It's the reason it's one sentence. In fact, those first 10 uh, in the Bill of Rights they weren't included originally because they were so obvious to everyone they just felt like it was a waste of time right yeah exactly so that's why it's so brief is that they're just kind of providing a um a a sentence or two on each of these 10 things that they thought were so obvious to everyone they didn't even need to mention them but okay so we'll just boil the sentence down to you okay we're all part of the militia and uh, that's that, and no one's going to get on. No one has a right to legislate that away. Mm. Fine, okay. Um, we have a right to be armed to to basically for self defense. Yeah. So they just didn't feel a need to get into it and parse words. They all understood it. Um, 
Well, you can sit around and argue that to a point, but if the other, if your other side of the argument isn't really arguing, they have a point of view and they're going to make the words mean whatever they want them to mean, then you can't really have a legitimate argument because they're not listening and we're not willing to listen to them because they're making no sense. And, and you would just have a shouting match then. Right. So that is the problem with where we are at as a country today is that we're not talking about middle ground or agreeing or disagreeing or having argument about um, something that would fix the potholes properly. You know, mm -hmm. we're not doing those things. What we've got here is a debate about men can have babies. Yeah. No, they freaking can't. There's no middle ground. You know, if if that's what your other side of the argument is about and you're trying to protect women's rights, you know, women swimmers, women basketball players, women uh, golfers, and then all of a sudden, you know, if I want to declare myself to be a woman on the on the weekends <laughs> and I want to go play the women's golf tour, well, I, I'm sorry, but there's even at my advanced age and physical limitations, there's probably only a couple of women who can who can drive a ball like I can. And uh, yeah, I'd be pretty tough to beat on that tour if I wanted. Well, to you saw where the. Um... So should I wear, maybe I should wear a wig and some big fake boobs and go play the women's pro tour. Well, there was a, a guy that considers himself a, a female that just won the, a, a, a tournament, a women's uh, professional golf tournament. I can't remember. Seriously? That. Yeah, you didn't hear about that? No, no. no. Uh, let me see if I can find it. I, I wanted to bring this up too. I, I don't know if you... Um, heard this but uh just briefly while i look this up um looks like joe biden has a uh is going to be primaried rfk juniors uh filed papers to run for president mm -hmm. good yeah I, I i we talked about him before i like the guy i mean I, again i would never vote democrat as long as you have a d in front of your name um i'm pretty sketchy about you uh yeah but i i actually respect him no i like the guy i mean yeah. so you know uh he's done a lot of good things um as far as the kennedys go um he's probably you know, one of the good ones? Well, yeah. Um, actually, I think he's done a lot more good for the country than his brother, or than his dad did, honestly. RFK got a lot of great, you know, views because of how he was protected and everything. And yet, I think uh, he's actually done a, a, a much more, uh, a much better job uh, for the country than his dad. I'll give him that much. That, that's actually saying a lot. Yeah. Um, so, but I respect the guy. Yeah, I do too. He's a very smart person, and uh, 
Well, we're not here to bash everyone who. No, and and, and 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 you know, as much as I I do despise the left, there there's good people. I mean, they're people, and they're Americans. But now, he's now in they, there. Yeah, he's in that area though of we're all human beings. Let's fix the potholes. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and if you're that kind of person, I will I will respect you. But if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna be the you know, the woke, you know, social justice warrior, you know, bullshit. I, I don't want to have anything to do with you because you're not a serious person. You're just making well, a yeah. bunch of noise. Well, you're arguing about whether men can have babies or not. Yeah. Screw you, you know? Uh, so so here, here's, here's how I am. I, I'm driving home yesterday from work. And there's a vehicle to my right. And in bold letters across the back window of the uh, transgender minivan, <laughs> it says, abortion is health care. And at first I was like, man, I really want to flip this person off, but I'm in my company vehicle probably not a good thing to do. But then I thought, you know what? She has every right to say that. I disagree. But but I can't it's it's not I, I can't prevent her from doing that. That's her point of view. She's entitled to it. That's why we have freedom of speech. Now, I I may not disagree or agree and I disagree with what she put on her car. Uh but who am I to, you know? And I thought, nah, flipping her off or, or giving her a dirty look or whatever is probably, it's just not, it's, just, it's not appropriate. Uh, she can be a dumbass for her entire life, and uh, it is what it is. So, Brianna Gill causes transgender debate after winning on Australian women's tour. Wow. So she won the um, Australian Women's Classic at Bonville Golf Resort in New South Wales, uh, where she birdied on the final hole to get into a playoff that she ultimately won. But I have a problem with this. After hole, uh, holing a three-footer for her first professional victory, she was sprayed with champagne as her peers ran onto the green to celebrate with her. So I saw this on, on TV. And uh, the other women on the tour did. They ran out there and you know started spraying this man with um, champagne and jumping up and down. And I thought, you know what? If one of you was my wife, I would divorce you. Um, because you have given up every, every right as a woman to that man. I mean, maybe not yeah. literally. But figuratively, you've given up everything that you fought for by celebrating a, a man who is claiming to be a woman right. that just beat your ass. Yeah, so much for women's rights. And, and I've asked you this question before. You and I have played in golf tournaments. We've, we've golfed for a long time. 
why is there a woman's tea and why is there a man's tea? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Is that misogynistic or, uh, I don't know what what's the term. I, I can't even keep no. up with them anymore. Yeah, yeah, so, so, that's the whole thing. Is there's there are basic physical differences between men and women that goes the beyond point. the uterus. Yeah, that's the point. If if men and women were equal, they wouldn't have a man's tea and a woman's tea. They'd have a single tea. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you. Be, uh, playing in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame Golf Invitational, uh, there wasn't a single woman that could outdrive me. No way. It just wasn't going to happen. Well, yeah. It just... There are very few women... But there are probably some women on the WPGA Tour that probably could outdrive me. Let's, let's just be honest. I'm not well, trying to undermine. Be, well, but you know, the, the long hitter. Yeah, it's just that they're we're built different. So you know, Michelle Wee does not have. Like I don't even know what my swing speed would be with a driver now. I know at the time I had to stop playing, I was right around 112 miles an hour mm -hmm. with a driver. Yeah, and I I once was uh, somewhere around 120. Um. But there's no way like Michelle Wee is in that 110 category. Yeah. So she gets distance out of, she's got a great golf swing. Don't get me wrong, she's got a great golf swing. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't have the same arc that I had. The She just can't generate the same club head speed, doesn't have the musculature. And she makes up for it with equipment you know, with the shafts and the, and the make of the club and, and the ball and that sort of thing. And she's a fine player. And I don't think she's competing any longer, but Lexi Thompson's another one where, man, she ripped that ball. Um, and good for her. But she's not a man. She's a woman. And it, it wouldn't be fair to have um, Davis Love the third decide that he woke up this weekend and he's a female <laughs> to go and play that tour and drive all of the green. You know, that could be uh, how Tiger Woods makes a huge comeback. Well, it might be. That he yeah. wakes up tomorrow and says, I, I feel like a female, so I'm just going to join the WPGA and I'm going to win every single damn tournament I enter into. I think if it was up to his ex-wife, uh, he'd probably be capable of doing that. You know, <laughs> she, she, yeah, she, she'd castrate yeah. him and say, uh, "Have a nice day." You're now on the female. I tour. think he was <laughs> just that close to being John Wayne Bobby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I proudly display my uh, 1997 Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame Long Drive <laughs> trophy. Uh. Oh, I think I might have seen that. Yeah, you probably have. No, I mean, I think I might have seen you actually hit the drive. Uh, yeah, uh, that might Didn't have been. Didn't we play together that, didn't I that the year so. we won? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah, I've got the buckle, too, that where we won. I think it's the same tournament. I'd have to look. I've, I've got a few. I don't, I don't really. 
occasionally, like every 10 years, I might pull it out and look at it. Yeah, I had one of my old rodeo buckles on the other day, and I went into the chiropractor for him to work on me, and he's like, um, wow, where on you? Where on earth did you get a buckle like that? And I said, well, I just wear it over ramps so I can make pancakes off. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. you never know when you might need to make pancakes so yeah, that's anyway great. but i've got to sign off yeah i uh, think that was a great conversation yeah i agree 100 percent. yeah for sure and we'll get more into that and i think we need to get more into the the, the constitution uh all together but you know for the purpose of our Mm-hmm. our movement and our podcast uh yeah good show all right yeah. we'll, we'll catch right. you on the next one and uh, don't forget to check us out online at inquiryintofreedom.com and if you'd like to be a guest on the show uh send us an email and uh we'll certainly try to work that out uh but we'll catch you on the next one okay Adios. bye-bye, bye-bye.